Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, a lot of things going on. First of all, I want to let everybody know that was waiting to hear uh, from Congressman Benny Thompson. They're voting right now. As you know, there's a lot of things going on in Washington, D.C., and there doesn't seem to be a lot of unanimity amongst uh, certain folks. And uh, so I got a call from his office indicating that uh, he is voting, and that's why he's back there. I want to apologize for folks, but he has been consistent by being a guest on the program. He wanted to be on tomorrow, but I'm not on tomorrow. Uh, but there are a lot of things going on. I think that uh, uh, some of the things that's uh, reverberating around the world was the way that the U.S. Border Patrol agents treated the Haitian uh, immigrants. Uh, I have never seen, and it was reminiscent really of slavery, to see uh, men on horses uh, running down uh, Black folks uh, like they were doing. And, and, and you know, it, it, the whole world saw it. So uh, we're supposed to be the nation that's setting the example of tolerance and of acceptance. And I think that's really is uh, a, something that's going to be scrutinized a lot closer because that's not the case. Uh, black folks in this country are saying, you know, we welcome these folks from Afghanistan. We welcome folks from everywhere. But you've never seen anybody on horses chasing anybody like that other than black people. And the fact is, is that uh, Haiti is a very poor nation in the middle of uh, the Western Hemisphere. And uh, it's just uh, ridiculous of what's happened to them over the years. Uh, if you don't know your history, Toussaint Louverture forced uh, Napoleon's army out of Haiti. Uh, Haiti was surrounded by French gunships and the United States was complicit in having Haiti pay reparations. Uh, the last figure was that it would be equivalent to $21 billion today. That's why they don't have an infrastructure. And then when you talk about people like uh, the, uh, the uh, China coming in to help them, people get all, oh, we can't have the Chinese over in the Western Hemisphere. Well, you know, if you're suffering from poverty and indignation and disrespect and disregard and uh, have paid all your money out for reparations because uh, Tucson's army, they got rid of slavery, they paid because they ended slavery in Haiti, which was uh, funneling uh, the textiles, the cotton to France for their textile industry. And it's just a shame that we'd have a country in the Western Hemisphere doing as poorly as they're doing and without, uh, you know, uh, any regard uh, in terms of any kind of help or assistance. So uh, I don't care where the help comes from. If someone needs help, they need to be able to get it. I don't care what people say about uh, uh, folks from uh, uh, China coming in to help folks. Uh, you know, if you're not getting the help, you don't, you don't care who it comes from. And it's just really unfortunate uh, that uh, we were able to uh, see this atrocity, but not unfortunate. I'm just happy that they did. They showed the video. They showed the uh, human rights violations. Uh, those are human rights violations carried out by members of the United States government. And it's not the first time because black folks have a history in this country. And we knew a long time ago in Dr. King's days, Congressman Benny Thompson's days, during the days of SNCC, uh, Julian Bond used to say that Congressman Thompson had the most dangerous job in SNCC because he was registering voters in the Mississippi Delta, where you didn't know if you're going to get killed by the sheriff or by the Klan. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, we, we've been there. And uh what I saw earlier this week with those men on horseback, U.S. Border Patrol agents running folks down, they didn't have whips. That was one commentator on CNN. Oh, they didn't have whips, but no, they had leather straps 
and it was still it was inhumane the way they were treated. And uh, so I'm just saying I'm filing a complaint with my member of Congress, with Congressman Adam Cleaver. I've also filed complaints with several members of the Black Caucus. Something needs to be done about it. Something needs to be said about it. It's uh, just inhumane to treat people the way they're being treated and they're not giving them any help after they've paid $21 billion because uh, Toussaint freed the slaves and the France got paid. So we talk about reparations. Well, hey, it's about our turn to receive reparations. And I've been joined by my colleague, Bob Armstead, uh, who is uh, with the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition, immediate past president of the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors, a stellar advocate still demanding justice. So Bob, welcome uh, to Urban Forum Northwest once again. And why don't you just, uh, I know we've been working with uh, the state. Uh, you know, we got a new director of the Department of Enterprise Services. We've not met with her yet. We will be meeting with her. And uh, also a lot of folks are looking for uh, uh, these numbers. Uh, I've talked to folks in the Black Caucus who want to see the disparity studies of what's happening in Washington State. 23 years without affirmative action. And I guess uh, uh, some folks are saying, well, you know, pretty soon something will change. So I uh, just have to have your perspective on where we are and let, our, let the listeners know what we're doing to try to gain equality for African descendants of the United States enslaved in Washington State. Uh, and, and Eddie, I'd, I'd first like to uh, to make a comment about your um, prior statements about the situation in Haiti. Uh, it, it's, it's unconscionable. It, it's unbelievable without seeing it. But we did see it. And we, we think about all of the immigrants that have come to this country, um, whether they're from Russia or China or South America or wherever, we've never seen anyone treated that way. And you look at, at what hap what's happening in Washington state in terms of the, the situation with employment and contracting for, um, for African-Americans here in this state. And not only is the immigration treatment different and more harsh uh, for those Haitians, but the situation with our contracting, lack of contracting and employment and education and everything else in this state, you will see that African-Americans are treated different than any other uh, ethnic group in the state. So you, you have to, to wonder what is so ingrained in people in this country that they feel that they have the ability or right to, uh, to treat us differently uh, than anyone else. Now, back, back to your question. Uh, we've, we've had up to eight to 10 disparity studies in this state uh, since 1998. Uh, they all show the same thing. Uh, one, that the state of Washington does not treat all of its residents the same, that they do not make opportunities available to everyone, uh, that they appear to be content with the situation because there is no change. 
And it does not matter if it's a WASDOT disparity study, a sound transit disparity study, a Port of Seattle disparity study, or the state of Washington disparity study. They all show the same thing. And if there was a desire on the part of any of those individuals that are in a position to make a difference, there would have been some change over that period of time. Uh, we have a situation in this state where after uh, one of the disparity studies and after a commitment by the governor uh, to make change, that that change was uh, put in the hands of uh, one of the largest procuring agencies in the state, uh, which to me is a conflict. Uh, their primary concern is to issue contracts and orders and procure uh, goods and services. And they look to do that in the most expeditious manner. Uh, they have determined through prior practices that they can best do that uh, in terms of the amount of effort required of them by bundling small projects that had been small projects into larger projects, thereby having one or two contractors as opposed to having 10. Now, that is a huge barrier for all of small business and especially uh, minority and women-owned businesses. So to take an organization whose primary function is procurement and make them the lead agency in terms of, of equity in, in contracting, uh, to me, was a problem to begin with then that agency was given the power to select the other department and agencies that would assist them in this endeavor. And the agency that they chose first and that they have allowed to or requested do the majority of this work is WASDA. Uh, the one federal transit or state transit agency in the country that has been issued a non-compliance report because of the way that they treat minorities in their contracting processes. And then you have the other so-called largest four uh, procuring agency in the state that's part of this uh, sub-cabinet. And that was what, five and a half going on six years ago? And you look at you know, what's the difference? What is the difference in terms of contracting, employment, uh, and other opportunities for minorities and specifically African-Americans between five years ago and today? And all of the uh, materials and information and reports that have been prepared and submitted they, they read well, but when you look at the numbers, there's been no improvement. And uh, it's a good thing that uh, you've uh, been able to put together these meetings with uh, some of the leaders, uh, you, uh, Lyle Quasin, and myself, 
we'll be meeting with the new director of Department of Enterprise Services, uh, Ms. Uh, Tara Smith, who came up from Florida. Uh, so hopefully uh, we, we'll be able to at least uh, have some input into where, which direction they're going. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, then there's a few other things we have to do. We got to deal with the Veterans Administration. We got to deal with the regional, with the director of the Seattle VA, who was also had administrative responsibilities for uh, for the American Lake uh, facility in Pierce County. So hopefully we'll be able to get some uh, uh, some attraction by meeting with them and get some fairness and equity because there's some problems. I guess you being a veteran, you also go to VA yourself, so you know exactly what the issues are. And that's why it's key for you to be heading up, organize this whole meeting because we will believe in going in. I was a weekend, what they call a weekend wonder. I was in for six months, but they didn't let me stay 180 days. I would have qualified for uh, veterans benefits, but they made sure that that guards people and reservists did not stay in there past 180 days. Therefore, they'd have to take care of us. But you know, if they would have had a war, we would have had to go. You know that. But but anyway, hopefully we can get that turned around too. Because I think that reservists need to have, even they just got a little piece of stuff to be fine. But uh, Bob, we've been joined by uh, 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 legendary NBA Hall of Fame coach and player, uh, Lenny Wilkins. I want you to hang on for a minute and check Lenny out because you guys are both over there on the east side. Uh, uh, Hall of Fame coach and player, Lenny Wilkins, are you on the line? I'm on the line, Eddie. Mm -hmm. Okay, then. Well, first of all, congratulations. Uh, it was announced on Monday that the street running adjacent to, parallel to, uh, was the Coliseum Key Arena, now Climate Pledge Arena, <laughs> will, will be officially named the Lenny Wilkins Way, and it was well-deserved. So, well, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited about it, Eddie. Uh, I I think that uh, especially, you know, I think young people. Uh, I, I want to set an example. Uh, I'm all about young people. Uh, the future is theirs. Uh, their tomorrow's doctors, lawyers, announcers. Uh, uh, they're a future, and 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 I want them to always believe that they can make a difference, and we want to encourage them. And if they could see that street, the Lenny Wilkins way, uh, then they, I want them to believe, well, I can do that, you know, uh, and so many of them can, and, and we need to encourage them. Uh, I had encouragement along the way and, uh, nothing was easy. And, uh, but, uh, I believe that I could make a difference. Well, you and, uh, your wife, Marilyn, through the Lenny Wilkins foundations have made a significant difference. As a matter of fact, uh, when you guys raised that $125 million for CL Children's Odessa Brown, uh, there was going to be a street name for you out on the south end by Othello Station. And I think they need to go ahead and do that, too. Say, Lenny Wilkins Way, too, <laughs> because of wow. that. You, you were <laughs> so instrumental in, in, you know, yeah. in raising that money. So, I mean, I'm just saying that that's been fantastic. And also, I'm real happy to see that... Uh, Dr. Ben Danielson is being acknowledged and honored by everybody because he's a stellar person. Should be uh, the president of the CEO of Children's Hospital if they want to be serious about it. I know one thing, he'd get the most in the racism out of Children's if he was in charge. I know that. Well, Ben Ben has been an incredible person. He's an incredible human being. And uh, he, uh, like all of us, you know, we, we learn from people. And and I know when I first came out here, uh, I met Blanche, Dr. Blanche Lovizio, who was the medical director of the Odessa Brown Children's Clinic. 
and and she set an example for us, and as did a lot of people from the community. Uh, one of the things uh, I love to talk about because I met her when I first came out here was uh, Freddie Mae Gauthier. Uh, she was the one that showed me the clinic, showed me what they were doing, how they were treating young people with dignity, and uh, and, and I said, yeah, that's the way it should be done. So those people influenced uh, not only me but Ben Danielson, who I think is, is a super, super person. He has so much passion for young people and has set a huge example. And and, uh, and, and so when you see that clinic out on Othello and, and Dr. Martin Luther King Way, uh, it's going to be an incredible place. It will service uh, young people in this community, no matter uh, what your ethnic background is or your ability to pay. Uh, the clinic is there for for young people, and, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. Lenny, you also uh, were drafted into the military. Is that correct? <laughs> well, I, I was in an ROTC in college, uh, Eddie, you know, and I back then, uh, you know, the draft was very possible, and I said to myself, well, uh, I'm going to take advanced ROTC because if, you know, having gone to college and everything, and, and if I get drafted, I wanted to go in as a second lieutenant. And and so after uh, one year of pro ball, uh, I uh, was activated, and I had to go on active duty. So I was on active duty for a year and a half as a second lieutenant. I was based at Fort Lee, Virginia, the Quartermaster Corps. And listen, it was an experience. It was an experience. Uh, I was very lucky that I didn't have to be in Korea or Vietnam. Now, uh a few years later, I, I went on a U.S. old tour and visited uh, our troops. I was in Guam, Philippines, Okinawa, all those places to visit our troops from Vietnam and to let them know that we appreciated what they were doing for us. Well, that's, that's great, Lenny. And also, you have some other experiences, too. Uh, like, uh, at that time, there was still segregation going on, and you were on a team, and and I think that they were going to play somewhere and the white players got to eat and you didn't. Well, tell, tell our listeners about that experience. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we were, it was, I was in the service and, uh, you know, we traveled by bus all the time and we were going up to Fort Ord, Texas and, uh, and we stopped at a restaurant and they uh, uh, wanted the black players to go around back. Uh, you know, and that would be the only way they would serve them. So I wouldn't eat, I, you know, and I, re and I refused to play when we uh, got there. And uh, so when I got back to Fort Lee, uh, the head of, court of uh, special services called me in to read me the riot act that, you know, I was in the military and I should have been uh, there. And, and, and so I let it go. I listened. I took it. But then when the commanding general of the base at that time uh, found out about it, he defended me. You know, he took my side, and uh, which I thought was great because, uh, hey, we're fighting for this country. We're dying for this country. And, uh, you know, we should all be treated equal. So that was an experience I never forgot. And then when I... Uh, got out of the service and went back to St. Louis, uh, I faced some more 
but uh you know uh in time things change but but I love that I never let people think that uh you know that we weren't as good as anybody else I mean, hey I could think I could read I had feelings and uh, and people need to pay attention and I think that our young people should always speak up I don't want us destroying things that we have, but I want us to speak up and let people know that we do make a difference, we care, and we're a part of this great country. And when you were playing for St. Louis, uh, you went to eat in a restaurant and they had your picture up on the wall. And what happened? <laughs> well, it, it was a place called Mrs. Hullings at that time. It was a cafeteria style. And, uh, and at that time, you couldn't eat in a lot of the, uh, the restaurants downtown. But, you know, they had pictures of all the Hawks, uh, the St. Louis Hawks, up. And I saw my picture up, so I said, what the hell? I'm going to go in here and have, get something to eat. <laughs> and even though everybody was looking at me, I, I went in, had a meal, and left. And, uh, you know, nobody said anything, but it was very quiet in there. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, Lenny, this fantastic work you've been doing uh, with uh, Odessa Brown and, and C.L. Trolls and stuff, and we know things went kind of sideways, but uh, the, your your actual uh, naming ceremony will be next month. Is that on your birthday? Oh, oh how about that? Yeah, it's uh, October 28th. I don't know how they picked that date, but, uh, but that's when the... Uh, not, uh, the sign naming will be. They'll they'll put the sign up that will say Lenny Wilkins Way, and it's on October 28th at 12:30. Uh, it's right by Climate Pledge Arena at Thomas Street that runs right alongside there. So uh, I'm excited about it, and a lot of my friends are. So it it, it should be a good day. It'll be a real good day because I understand that uh, Dr. Ben Danielson at six o'clock. The same day we'll be getting the First Citizens Award at uh, the, the uh, museum on First Avenue. Yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah, that's wonderful. I he deserves it. Uh, ben has been, uh, like I said, you know, he's a credit to the community. He's given back uh, mightily, and so uh, I, I think him getting that First Citizen Award is uh, straight uh, well deserved. Mm. Well, but with having you on there, I want to thank Marilyn Wilkins for allowing you to, you guys are a, a terrific team. <laughs> and that's why uh, the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee acknowledged the Lenny Wilkins Foundation, but Lenny and Marilyn Wilkins, because we know you guys have a partnership going and you've been very successful in uh, 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 delivering goods and services and opportunities for other people in the, in the city. And that, that's been great. So now everybody, when they saw your picture on Facebook, and they said, Eddie, can you ask uh, Coach Wilkins uh, when the Sonics are coming back? Well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure when. I, I know that I do believe in my heart that we will get a, a pro basketball franchise back again. Uh, I'm hoping it won't be too long. Uh, I know that um, the NBA – kind of committed that uh, if we had a, a new uh, arena uh, building to play in, that uh, they certainly would consider it very highly. And uh, so I think we're at the top of the list with the NBA. And uh, Climate Pledge Arena, the, the Lightwood have done a wonderful, magnificent job. 
uh, I've had an opportunity to walk through there and get a tour. And, and I, t- I tell you, it's going to be an outstanding place to play. Well, that's that's great. And now uh, hopefully everybody that wants to know when they're coming back got some kind of idea that we are number one on the list. Uh, before we go, you are, uh, were the most winningest NBA coach. And I guess Golden State brought Nelson back for two games or something like that so he could surpass you. <laughs> so do you think we could talk the new NBA team to bring you back for those three games to win so you could still be the most winningest NBA coach in history? <laughs> well, you know, I teased Don Nelson. We, we were at the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and uh, we were there for the uh, ceremonies they were having. And we were interviewed, and I teased Don Nelson. I told him, I told him, I'm going to come back for three games just so that uh, I can pass him. And, and we had a big laugh about it. But, uh, hey, you know, it's a nice thought, but I don't think that I would do that. <laughs> well, Lenny, before we go, now there's some, another big event that's about ready to happen. I don't think it's been announced yet, but I want to have you come back. But there's something that's with the, one of the Indian tribes over in the Spokane area? Yes. Uh, the Kalispell tribe, yeah, they're they're building a, a rec center, uh, and and a lot of that has to do with uh, uh, a Native uh, American, uh, Jackie McCormick, who, uh, you know, she's Native uh, American and she played at Indiana State uh, and helped them, and she's accomplished quite a bit, and she has a foundation called Rise Above, so and she works with a lot of Native kids. Uh, and uh, le- helping them to understand and believe what that their future can be bright and, and for them to pursue it. And they're talking about uh, building a rec center uh, for her, and uh, they wanted to name the court the Lenny Wilkins uh, Basketball Court. And I've agreed that uh, we could do that uh, once it's done. Well, Lenny, congratulations. Uh, you deserve it all. And on the 28th, I'll be there, but I'll see you in Maryland before then. So thank you guys for your work, uh, for your, uh, I mean, you guys are so gracious and, and you're so generous. So we really do appreciate that. So you have a good day and thank you very much for your time today. Uh, uh, we'll be the winningest coach as soon as we get a team in here. We got to make sure that's part of the deal when they come in. You got to let Coach Wilkins win three games. Okay, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eddie, and, and thank you for having me and thank you for, for doing what you do. We certainly appreciate it. Okay, sir. Thank you very much. Have a good day now. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, Eric, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Mr. Kevin Young from Mad Construction after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at Port Seattle. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. 
Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150. All right, Eddie Ryan back at uh, Urban Forum Northwest. Got uh, Bob Armstead hanging in as my co-host. We have uh, Kevin Young, uh, the owner of Mad Construction. Uh, he, I think he's out of fight, but he is, has a joint venture going on a large project for Africatown uh, in the central area of Seattle, I think on 23rd Avenue. So, Kevin, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Are you there? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, Eddie. Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah, Bob Armstead and Dr. Charlie Walker, all, there we you got your, a whole posse here. But anyway, Kevin, why don't, why don't you just go ahead and share a little bit about your background with our listeners? I mean, so they get an idea of who Mr. Ke- uh, Kevin Young is. Okay, um, I'm the owner of Mad Construct, LLC. Um, been doing this about 35 years um, from, um, and I'm, I'm going to say this, uh, uh, as a as a smaller contractor, I'm considered micro in in mm. this this black owned. Um, have my uh, daughters, my sons working for me. Uh, like I say, uh, we do uh, a mixture of uh, excavation, concrete framing, remodel, siding, windows, doors. Um, we we do a lot of subbing with uh, bigger uh, generals like Mortensen, Absher. Um, uh, W.G. Clark, uh, uh, Centennial Wall Construction. So you name it, uh, we've done it. Uh, we also do uh, work with the city of Kent, uh, city of Tacoma, Pierce County. As a matter of fact, we got a three-year contract. This is our second three-year contract with the city of uh, 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 Pierce County, excuse me, um, that uh, we're the general on. So I'm very proud of that. And uh, with uh, Parkview Services, uh, we do a lot of work with uh, um, adult assisting living. Um, basically, what we do is call it wet rooms. Uh, we remodel uh, 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 bathrooms to be completely uh, wet room. Uh, and then kitchens, bathrooms, ramps, uh, decks, ADA. Uh, so uh, we do a lot of that. So we, we're, we're an all-around construction company. And uh, that's a little bit of my background uh when i uh, was in this construction i was uh working for uh the union local 470 and uh back in them days you had to do a little bit of everything framing concrete sheetrock you had to just plug in and keep busy so uh i and you know, my grandfather also early days showed me how to shoot grade uh, use excavator stuff like that so i i, I 
told myself when I started my company, I wanted to be, I wanted to learn how to do it all from electrical, which, you know, I'm not licensed to do, but I know I'm not plumbing all that. So I wanted to, you know, be able to just not be a specialty contractor. So that's what I've done. Just out of curiosity, how many other black uh, subcontractors do you see on the jobs you're on? How many black? Yeah, subcontractors you see on, on the jobs. Um, the, the ones I hire, I try to always hire black. No, I'm just saying, I'm talking about the ones, I know the ones that you hire, but I'm talking about the one, the major white construction companies. How many other black subcontractors do you see on those jobs? Uh, a lot of times I'm the only black. Okay. <laughs> and, and, okay. And, and, and the disparity studies, uh, as Bob Armstead mentioned earlier, the disparity studies bear that out. Well, you know, what I really like about this whole thing is, so you just set the good example about if a family gets a business and gets an opportunity, it can be passed on. So it's intergenerational wealth and knowledge is passed on. So I want to see if uh, Bob has a quick question for you. Bob Armstead. How you doing, Bob? Oh, hey, Kevin. Uh, congratulations. Uh, sure. Glad to see that you're doing all the things that you can do. Uh, my, my only question is, uh, when are you going to become the prime so that uh, we can have other smaller uh, contractors work for you? And what kinds of things can uh, we help you with so that uh, you can get to that level? That's a good question. Um, right now, um, my experience is like from the union, I can draw for the union. I've ran $30 million projects, but under MAD, I have not, the biggest contract today is probably a million point five per, if you understand. I do up to two, $3 million a year, but the next step is to actually be mentored, uh, which Africatown is willing to do. Um, so that is something, you know, that's important to me. And, and matter of fact, they, um, Joaquin and um, Momar actually reached out to me and we had a meeting and that was something that was very important. And they asked me, what is, what's your next step? And my next step says to become a, actually one of the biggest black contractor, actually the biggest black contractor in Washington. And along with that, not just that, bring other, and I'm gonna say this again, micro, not small, micro, black owned contractors with me on the project to show them we can do this. I have the knowledge. I just don't have what's that experience or, or, or all the jobs under my belt, them 30, 40, 50 million, the housing authority jobs. I've worked on them all, you know, had blocks, did that, you know, so uh, that, that's my next step. And I believe this is the next step. This is hopefully, this is not one and done. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this advantage or, or this opportunity to step up and be that bigger black, black contractor. And then, you know. Well, so. Kevin, that's great that you're providing opportunities for others. I'm really impressed with the fact you said your children are working for you. You don't look much over 35 yourself. But anyway, <laughs> that's some good genes. That's some Thank good you. genes. But that, that's why it's so important uh, for, you know, we're getting shout out. Bob can attest to that. Uh, with all these agencies, and we need to have more Kevin Youngs to bring our, our micro businesses along and make sure that they are headed in the right direction. So, uh, but I mean, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, you will have that. Uh, this program could be a platform for you. So if you want to get something out, 
about opportunities for smaller companies or anything else that you want to uh, get out on the airwaves. You can count on us to make sure that happens. And you also can count on the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition uh, to be an advocate in the event you run into any obstacles, because uh, we know racism is alive and well in America. You know, yes, so I mean, that's just just a fact. There's, you know, anytime, uh, you know, blacks, uh, I say African descent of the United States enslaved are doing less than one half of one percent with most agencies, that's atrocious. So you don't have a lot of wealth to pass along, and you also don't have a lot of uh, of expertise to pass along. So Kevin, we're gonna be uh, stay with you and. Uh, Congratulations to you and Africatown on that project. And like I said, uh, this program can be a platform for you and Bob and I and the Civil Rights Coalition will also be an advocate for you if you need us. But okay. you have been doing so well, and I'm sure you got the same support from the Black Collective too, which I am also a member of. So yeah. Kevin, thank you very much for your time today, brother. And uh, like I said, if you wanna get something on the air, let us know if there's anything else we can do to remove obstacles to help you with, we're willing to do that, brother, thank you. Okay, thank you. And and one thing, if I can say that, that we will be, uh, if you want to be part of this project and black on black and brown people to be on this project, you can reach us at mad, M-A-D-C-O-N-S-T at live.com. And we can get the information, the schedule of this Africatown um, project out to you. It's on uh, 23rd, 23rd in spring. So uh, yeah, please, uh, if you're black owned well, and, and, or if you're looking for work and you're black, brown, come on out, we are hiring. We are gonna put you on this project. It's gonna be something different. And my joint venture partner is Apture and, and they're behind us along with Africa to Town. Um, yeah, they're, they're the owners are really behind us to do something special. Thank you. Well, that's great, Kevin. We're here to support you as well. So thank you very much, sir. We appreciate you and continue good luck. and. We're here to support you any way we can. So thank you and very much, Eddie, Kevin. Go ahead. Eddie, if I could say one thing real quick. Uh, all that Kevin is missing is opportunity. And yes. that that's in the state of Washington. That is a problem. We had a black firm that ended up being the construction and alterations contractor for the U.S. State Department. They did all of the embassies worldwide, over a hundred million dollar contract 20 years ago, because they found opportunity outside of Washington state. That contractor had less direct experience than what Kevin has now. Well, that's saying something. Okay, Kevin, thank you very much. Okay. Well, we, we got that uh, while we wait for Sade, or if you can give her a buzz, listen, uh, Dr. Charlie Walker III. Yes, sir. Uh, we're both serving on uh, uh, the committee uh, to uh, commemorate the 60th anniversary of uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, visit to Seattle that was sponsored by the Mount Zion uh, Brotherhood, and he was a classmate of the late Reverend Dr. Sammy Barry McKinney's. And it was so interesting, uh, you being on the committee, I only stayed in Shreveport until I was 10, but you were in Montgomery, Alabama a lot longer and i'd just like to have you take a few minutes and just share with our, some of our listeners what life was like back back in montgomery because we know we had montgomery the montgomery bus boycott we also had bombingham also known as birmingham so why don't you just take a few minutes and share that with our listeners well i was born on april 11th 1945 that was a wednesday in montgomery 
1945 is the day of my birth, but Rosa Parks did her bus boycott on December the 1st, 1955. And that is what my eyes saw. And I saw the KKK live and in living color marching up and down Dexter Avenue. And as you know, Dr. King's church was on Dexter Avenue, almost a block and a half from the state capitol. So while the KKK was beating our heads, putting water on us, building clubs and all that kind of stuff, uh, the governor was looking out the state capitol at us being beaten by the, by, by the KKK. That was a part of their intimidation factor to beat us so we wouldn't have any rights. The most important part was Black people came together in an effort to not allow anyone to take away our civil rights. When people are using mules and wagons, bicycles to go from point A to point B, they was doing it at their peril because uh, there were Klansmen that would deny them the opportunity to not protest with us. But the bottom line is they would intimidate you by uh, saying, we know who you are, we're gonna take away your jobs and all that kind of stuff. And still, uh, at the behest of uh, Rosa Parks, who went up the hill and talked to the MIA, people, what you would call the Montgomery Improvement Association. Uh, and then Dr. King got involved with that. But this is one thing I want to share with you that you may or may not know. My uncle owned the ABC Printing Company in Montgomery. Those Baptist ministers would gather together at ABC Printing Company in order to get the funeral programs, the tickets and all of those kinds of things. So that was an important event in my time because when I sat down with Dr. King in his office, that made a difference in my life. As you know, I'm a, what you call a 38 year retired, happily retired high school principal. I'm a past grand master for the state of Washington, and I have more than 15 countries where we have chapters in. I went to school for 25 years. Uh, you know, I, 12 years of high school, 13 years of college. And I'm in three fraternities, Masons, Alpha Phi Alpha, and Phi Delta Kappa you know, the academic stuff. But anyway, that's a half a teaspoon about Walker, but it's not all, it's just a whiff. And uh, the significance of this visit, uh, uh, commemorating uh, Dr. King's anniversary uh, to Seattle, the 60th anniversary, and I want to uh, give a shout out to Manisha de Bartlebet, the president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum, who has been the spearhead and really organizer, a, a great organizer. I can see why she would be the president 
of all of the board of all the black uh, museums in the country because she is that qualified. Right. So, uh, and uh, to date, we have uh, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, the Martin Luther King III coming up. Uh, can you share with uh, what are some of the preliminary plans are right now for that commemorating that 60th anniversary uh, visit of Dr. King's? Well, I can give you like a little, a little bit. This is a three-day event. Day one is called Honoring Dr. King Legacy and Service. And we have two activities on that day. And from 10 o'clock until high noon, it will be the services at Martin Luther King Memorial Park. There will be a group, a lot of activities going on there. The second activity on day one, November the 6th, will be the Intergenerational Civil Rights Forum, where they will have a, a panel discussion on fighting for civil rights then and now, uh, the vote, the educational justice, uh, economic empowerment, health equity, and housing and justice. On day number two, which is November the 7th, Sunday, we will, that is titled Honoring Dr. King Legacy of Spiritual Leadership. And as you know, the first activity is walking in the steps of Dr. King's bus and bus tour. That's from two to four. And then there, you remember when Dr. King was here in 1961 that he visited the home of Good Barbecue, Garfield High School, which I was a principal at Garfield High School. You, uh, Meany, Temple de Hirsch, Mount Sinai, uh, Plymouth Eagles, Olympic Hotel, and Mount Zion Baptist Church. The second activity on the second day, which is Sunday, the 7th, will be the Young, Gifted, and Black Interface Tribute Program. And that will be from 5 o'clock until 7 o'clock. And the last day, which is the third day, will be entitled Dr. King Legacies with his son. And that is uh, two activities also from nine until 10 at the Fairmount Olympic Hotel. And then uh, the second activities will be the uh, keynote event and award ceremony featuring Dr. King III. I mean, Martin Luther King III. And as you know, Lenny Wilkins will be uh, one of the the hosts of that event. And that's from New <laughs> Yeah, Lenny and Marilyn Wilkins. Dr. Walker, hold on one second. I think we have the region, the, the, the uh, chair of the Martin Luther King Organizing Coalition on the line. Uh, uh, Shad A. Moore is the person that is a chair and she organizes the march and rally and uh, the other events on the holiday. Shad, are you online with us? I am. Good afternoon. Okay, then. Uh, go right ahead. Well, you know what? Uh, that's what? Well, we have to take about five, so we have to take a break. But I want you to go ahead and go first. And Eric, we'll take a break about 2.56. So go ahead. So, uh, okay, Shade. So just, just happy to be here. Um, hope y'all can hear me. Uh, this is our 40th year uh, annual celebration uh, for uh, our uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King uh, March and Rally. Um, we're expecting to see some 
exciting um, changes this year. Um, we're hoping to get back to some normality um, from our previous, before previous year celebration um, where we were in person, where, you know, there was some um, consistency to us being at Garfield. Um, I've had the honor, uh, along with K.L. Shannon, to meet the new principal of Garfield High School, Dr. Terrence Howard. Um, and just express some interest in utilizing the building again this year, um, not only being outdoors, but having some alternatives to being inside to do our community meal. Um, there's also some talks about uh, working with uh, the uh, CDCPDA, the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority, uh, to see if uh, the board would approve the use of the grounds uh, for our annual uh, opportunity fair. Um, so there's some discussion going on there. Um, our next meeting is October 5th, uh, which is a Tuesday. It's going to be a hybrid meeting uh, that we're looking forward to. Uh, we put in a request uh, to the McKinney Center um, to have some, um, to be in person, to be able to give folks the opportunity to see one another again, um, as well as have a, a virtual, um, uh, a virtual uh, uh, secondary uh join our meeting so we'll still be on zoom but we're hoping to be in person as well um we're just looking forward to getting back to it um our last meeting we had a ton of uh volunteers um as well as some of our long-term coalition members show up um we've also uh been receiving a multitude of internship requests this will be our second year of doing our young leaders internship um, we've probably got about over 25 response from students um, in South King County, um, all the way north uh, to far Tacoma and Olympia. So um, we're looking forward to reviewing those applications this weekend. The due date for that is on the 24th, uh, which is tomorrow, 5 p.m. Um, as always, anybody that's looking to participate or volunteer with us can go onto our website, www.seattlemlkcoalition.org. Um, and then you can request to uh, get more information. Um, my contact information is on there, as well as our contact information for um, our technology marketing um, and communications team. Um, so just a lot of great things. We're really excited. This is 40 years. It's a long time coming. Um, and it's just good to see that uh, we're still doing this work. And uh, as we progress down the road, uh, you know you can be on or have whoever you want on that committee because it's very important uh, to make Absolutely. sure that people are apprised of what's going on because a whole bunch of folks uh, in our community need some Martin Luther King. Uh, they need to have some of his tenacity, some of his commitment, and mm -hmm. uh, some of his courage to step up to plate and deal with some of these issues that we're dealing with uh, uh, in Seattle and across the country and even down at the Texas border. So, Shade, thank you very much. And like I said, just let me know My whenever pleasure. you want to get back. We appreciate you. To, to give and continual okay. updates. Thank you, Eddie. Okay, uh, so we're going to do is take a break. I want to thank uh, Bob Armstead for co-hosting. I want to thank Dr. Charlie Walker, Kevin Young, continued success, and want to apologize to everybody that was expecting to hear Congressman uh, Benny Thompson, but uh, they were voting, and that's why they're back in D.C., so that just has to happen. But he's been a consistent uh, participant on Urban Forum Northwest. So we're going to take a break, and I'll come back and close out in a minute. Thank you very much, everybody. 
Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. That's right, Aretha. We sure do need to respect. i tell you that right now. But I want to give a shout out to uh, our sponsor, Sound Transit. The Labor uh, Office headed by uh, Chief of Labor is uh, Leslie Jones. The Civil Rights Office by John T. Robinson. The Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office. Boy, I want to thank Lawrence Coleman for all the help he gave me. And I thank me and Rice is back now. The City of Seattle's Purchase and Construction Services Division, headed up by Liz Alzier and backed up by Carol Wong and uh, Jesse and Mark and Mike Beltran and the guys. Uh, Stephanie Ogle does our website and uh, our supporters of Concourse Concessions out of SeaTac, the Bay Pukahara, SeaTac Bar Group, LLC with the two Desert Storm veterans, Ron O'Neill and Jerry Whitsitt. And I'm gonna encourage everybody that saw the atrocities that happened on the border with the Haitians, please contact your member of Congress and express your dissatisfaction with that humane treatment. You've never seen anyone else entering this country attacked with people on horseback. Government officials, they say that the offenders are now uh, on leave, and I'm sure it's paid leave, like they do uh, a lot of police when they have an issue, they always get paid. But that's unacceptable. I'm just one thing I'm happy about. It went around the whole world. So once again, Eddie Rye, I want to thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll try to get Congressman Benny Thompson next time he's available. But the most important thing he's doing is voting to make sure that we have uh, tomorrow. So thank you very much. Talk to you next week. <laughs>